0: Good evening everybody and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. What a show we have on tap for you guys tonight. You know, I'm wearing my kind of all black. I've got my Pittsburgh Steelers hat on. I actually forgot my terrible towel. I apologize to y'all about that. But great win for my Steelers. Let's talk about their win over the Ravens uh, just a few blocks from now. And in particular, I'll, I'll discuss Lamar Jackson. Why... 56% 56% of, or I shouldn't say 56%, 95% of the blame is on him, and 5% offensively is absolutely on Lamar Jackson. I'll get to that later in today's show as well as why I think Kenny Pickett is showing signs of being a true franchise quarterback in the National Football League. I'll get to that. Also, what a, what a crazy game uh, in London between the Jaguars and the Bills. That's going to be my second segment. I'll tell you exactly why Trevor Lawrence is not only better than Josh Allen, but the third best quarterback in the NFL, as I've said since... Uh, last season, I'll get to that obviously as well. <laughs> New England, second straight week getting hammered this time by the New Orleans Saints, and this time on their home field. And listen, we know Mac Jones is terrible. If you can't see that at this point, then you're you're blind. I don't know what you're watching. Uh, but I think at some point or another, the, the, we we've gotten to a point where it's time for Bill Belichick to retire. Or for Bob Kraft to move on from him, one way or the other, this is going to be the final year of the Bill Belichick era in New England. I'll get to that later in today's show. Also, recap of all Week Five NFL actions uh, It's going to be going to be fun. Some crazy games. Uh, Jets, Broncos. The the Broncos. I'm sorry, the Jets getting getting revenge on 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 the uh, Sean Payton for what he said about their head their offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Good win for the Jets. Hey, only a half game back of the division lead. You know, Jets fans don't give up. Yeah, never know. Got the Eagles next week, so that's pretty tough, but you never know. But, uh, again, we've got an absolutely jam-packed show. Adjust the camera there a little bit. Jam-packed show on tap for you guys tonight. But first, there's no other way to start the show. Then with the showdown in San Francisco, In what happened to be the blowout in San Francisco, the 49ers <laughs> walloping, walloping the Dallas Cowboys by a final score, you probably see at this point, to 42-10. That's a four-score W in case, you all know, or county. If you score four touchdowns, go for two, two more times. You, you get the point. Anyways, I'll get to Dallas a second because that's been the topic of national discussion. They are, after all, America's team, or as I've called them, the world's team because they're the most popular uh, American sports team worldwide. Uh, Real Madrid certainly has, has a case, but again, Jerry Jones has the Cowboys worth more money than any organization, any professional sports franchise in all planet Earth. Get to Dallas in, in, in about five or so minutes. I want to talk about San Francisco, and I want to talk about Brock Purdy because as somebody who you guys know, I'm a Dak fan, and I'll talk about Dak a little later, but as somebody who obviously was rooting for the Cowboys to win, although I picked the Niners to win, it was beautiful, truly beautiful to see that it feels like today, finally now, Brock Purdy's getting a little bit of credit. Brock Purdy is getting enough credit for for being absolutely unequivocally you cannot even deny it at this point a fringe top 10 quarterback in the NFL whether he's 11 12 dare I say 10 He's in that discussion, and it's not even close. You consider what he did last night against, I know everybody's crushing the Dallas defense today, some of it for good reason, but that's a top five defense in the NFL when healthy, even without Trayvon Diggs. That's a great pass rush. It's an excellent secondary. Again, even with no Diggs, you got Stephon Gilmore, Deron Bland, you got Donovan Wilson, Jaron Curse. You got some tremendous playmakers, the back end of the secondary, and a good linebacking core for that matter. And all Brock Purdy did was go 17-24, 252. Not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns on the night. A QBR of 83 and a pass rating close to perfect of 144. And dude was dropping some. Dimes against that Cowboys defense. Some beautiful throws. I remember he had one throw. I think it was on third and 14 to Debo Samuel. Uh, over the middle it Was a gorgeous throw by Brock Purdy. He was stepping into with some rhythm. Kyle Shanahan drew up some beautiful plays. The double flea flicker touchdown to George Kittle was the prettiest play I saw all of week five. Uh, the creativity. And what's what's crazy about it, is that Christian McCaffrey, who I thought was going to run rough shot in the Cowboys? Actually, when I predicted this game, I said this could be more of a Christian McCaffrey game than it is a Brock Purdy game. Not that Purdy will play bad, because old sturdy Purdy never plays bad. But Christian McCaffrey is a guy who's coming off a four touchdown afternoon last week against Arizona against a Cowboys defense that had just given up over two hundred rushing yards two weeks prior to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm thinking, oh my god, he's going to run wild on like Dallas. Not really. 19 carries, only 51 yards. 2.7 yards a carry. Matter of fact, wasn't even the lead re- leading his team. Jordan Mason went for a long touchdown, 26-yarder, when the game was basically decided in the fourth quarter. But you get the idea. Christian McCaffrey, only 2.7 yards a carry, was actually held in check pretty well by Dallas. You can almost think of the fact, you can almost uh, maybe sense that Dan, uh, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, was saying, we're going to stop Christian McCaffrey. It brought pretty beats us, he beats us. I understand that game plan. It's what I essentially told Dallas to do uh, on Friday's show if they wanted any chance to win, and they mostly did that. The problem is, what is San Francisco's strength, and that's running the football? I mean, come on. It's not like their pass game is exactly a weakness. When you have George Kittle, who had three of the Brock Purdy's four touchdown passes, when you have Brandon Ayuk, when you have Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, Christian McCaffrey, who can catch passes out of the backfield, I mean, it's not like he's exactly short on weapons, and he's certainly not short on an offensive play caller that, at this point, we need to stop having conversations about who's the best or who's the second best. To me, Andy Reid is still the the absolute standard of offensive play calling, has been for a long time, even before Patrick Mahomes got there to Kansas City, going back to Andy Reid's days in Philadelphia. Outside of Andy Reid, I refuse to put any other offensive coach above Kyle Shanahan. The guy is brilliant. And that's not to take credit away from Purdy. Because we've seen other quarterbacks, such as the guy who's in Dallas now, Trey Lance. That's why they traded him away. Trey Lance did not work on that offense. Uh, You know, uh, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard didn't really work. Jimmy Garoppolo was good, but didn't it always feel like he kind of had a little bit of a ceiling? How many times with Brock Purdy, despite the fact that he doesn't have a crazy arm, where the Niners just taking shot after shot after shot down the field? And guys, too, were running absolutely wide open. And I remember watching the, the game against my Steelers when San Francisco went to Pittsburgh in week one, thinking, this second, th- this defense is amazing. How are these guys running this open? And it was more of a San Francisco scheme them open more than it was Pittsburgh was just blowing coverages. Like, that's what I've seen through the first month of the season. Again, we, all are, we are only one month into the season. But I'm sorry, folks. This team that i watched last night and that I've watched for the first five games of season and that I've watched since the middle of last season, that can be the best team in the in NFL history. Yes, these San Francisco 49ers can be the best team in the history of the National Football League, at least in the Super Bowl era. When you consider the fact that they can run the ball with anybody, on anybody, again, Christian McCaffrey is held in check, but uh, Niners still went for seventy on four yards a clip. That'll work. By the way, two touchdowns to the ground. that will You'll take that any day of the week if you're a Niners fan or if you're somebody betting on the Niners, whatever the case may be. When you have, worst case, the second best tight end in the NFL, I've always said Travis Kelsey is, again, the standard at the tight end position. George Kittle's the better overall, the complete package of a tight end. He's not the pass catcher or route runner that Kelsey is, but he's darn close, and Lord knows he is an outstanding blocker. That's why San Francisco's part of why San Francisco's running game is so good. San Francisco has a future Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer for that matter, and Trent Williams at left tackle who Dallas weirdly put Micah Parsons, and I love Micah Parsons, but put Micah Parsons on the left side working against Trent Williams. I'm like, why? Why not put him on the on the right side working against their right tackle who, not to take shots at anybody, but I don't think he's exactly going to Canton. I think we can say that, uh, that that's a pretty safe assumption, right? Devo Samuel is the best gadget guy in the National Football League, and that's not even a shot at him. He can catch passes, he can run the ball. I remember a play, I think it was last year, where he threw a touchdown pass, or a couple of years ago, he threw a touchdown pass. He can do everything. Defensively, I, I barely mentioned the Niners defense today, and I'll get to them a little later. But when you have Nick Bosa, who's arguably the best pass in the NFL, not named TJ Watt. When you have excellent, excellent interior linemen, such as Eric Armstead, When you have an elite safety in the back end by the name of Talano Hufunga, who was everywhere last night. When you have one of the greatest, and it's weird to say this in 2023 because the position has been devalued to a certain extent. When you have, by far, certainly today, the best linebacking duo, uh, you can argue one of the better ones in NFL history. When you have Fred Warner, who was the best player on the field yesterday, and Brock Purdy was awesome. He did not make an impact in the game the way that Fred Warner did yesterday. And Dre Greenlaw, who was outstanding in his own right. I mean, Dre Greenlaw, look around the NFL. Take San Francisco's side. Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. Name the team that Dre Greenlaw undeniably would not be their best player at that position. It's hard to find. I mean, if you put Dre Greenlaw in Philadelphia, holy smokes, that defense would be ridiculous, given their front seven as good as it is already. So it is what San Francisco can do. And we talk about, I've talked about with Philadelphia that they're the best team in the NFL at beating you up front, whether it's their offensive line or their defensive line. San Francisco's offensive line isn't as good as Philadelphia's. Their defensive line is miles better, and Philly's is amazing. The San Francisco, I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated. They're, they're going to lose a game at some point. Listen, even the best teams, I mean, you know, 07 Patriots eventually lost a game. Not everybody can can be the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Kind of a hard, hard feat to accomplish. That's why it hasn't been done in, you know, a half century. But that team that I saw last night, that I've seen for the first five games of the season, coming off the momentum of last year, that could be the greatest team in the history of the National Football League, at least in the Super Bowl era. If Brock Purdy is, I've heard people talk about today, like Brock Purdy is amazing, and he's their weak link. I don't I don't know if I agree, disagree, I'm kind of in between that. And that I would say they're secondary with respect to Fungus, probably. If there even is a weak link, their weak link. Uh, just because how good Brock Purdy's been through the first part of this year. I mean, Brock Purdy decided, hey, I'm going to hang up my cleats today. He'd never do that, obviously. Uh, But if he decided, hey, I'm done playing, he'd have the highest pass rating in NFL history. If that's your weak link, (laughs) watch out, NFL. This, Listen, I picked Dallas to get to the Super Bowl. I'm about to get into Dallas, and Dak Prescott in particular. Uh, This team is insane. Elite coaches, (laughs) elite playmakers, offensively and defensively. And yeah, we can say it now. I mean, can we can we go in and buy all, all the way in on this idea? Brock Purdy's an elite quarterback. He makes tough throws. He's mobile. Okay, he doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. Well, first of all, who does? Second of all, I've seen some bum quarterbacks with big arms. Plenty of them. Jamarcus Russell being at the top of that list. And I've seen guys with pretty good arms, but not special, be Hall of Famers. Name Tom Brady ring a bell? Brock Purdy's never going to be Tom Brady. That's That's... Not saying that, but did Tom Brady ever blow you away with his arm talent? I thought I always thought his arm was better than people gave it credit for, but it was never that of like a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Man, (laughs) that team last night, whoo, I picked San Francisco to win. I even picked San Francisco to cover. Holy smokes, that that, I, I don't, when they're on, when they're healthy you present the team that can beat them outside of possibly the Kansas city chiefs who I had before the season, winning the super bowl on. Un- it is amazing watching what they can do on a week to week basis. Now, San Francisco, by the way, next week has, I think Cleveland on the road, San Francisco is a five point road favorite in that game. A lot of the sharps right now are on, are on the Cleveland Browns right now, just given how good their defense is that, that should be an interesting matchup. Cleveland's coming off of a bye and at home. And that's a East coast game for a West coast team. Could be more interesting than maybe we, we, we think, but, that is, I've been saying since week two, I said before the season, the Niners were the second best team in football. Since week two, I've said they were the best team in football on Bryson's best 10. Spoiler alert on Wednesday show, when I do Bryson's best 10, Niners going to be at the top again. I, they, I don't think they've, had, they've done anything, or frankly, anybody else in the league has shown me that they are undeniably better than San Francisco at this particular juncture. Dominant win by the 49ers yesterday in the Bay Area. Before I get to comments, I do want to transition to Dallas. So, uh, obviously, Cowboys fans—I used to be one, believe it or not—left in 2020 after Jerry screwed Dak over in the whole contract negotiation situation. Dak broke his ankle. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here, but I'll still root for Dak. Point is, Cowboys fans not happy today, understandably so. It's you know when you face a team that is that has ended your season the last two years, uh, your defense hasn't made opportunistic plays, the coaching has been suspect, and the quarterback play has been well below average. You have a right to be pretty pissed off given the fact that you lost by four scores on Sunday night. Uh, given the fact that a bunch of Cowboys players are talking about, hey, we we got to, I mean, Dak himself said, man, I'm pissed off coming this game. And Cowboys players are talking about, they're the measuring stick. Uh, Jerry Jones himself. And I actually, this is a rare instance where I say, good job, Jerry, for not putting your foot in your mouth. Jerry Jones said, if we want to go anywhere, we got to go through that team. It's not like, oh, they got to go through us. No, we got to go through them. So hats off to Jerry for the rare objectivity. And I think uh, he was validated in that regard, given what, what his team witnessed yesterday against San Francisco. But, um, so where do I start? Do I start with the weird gameplay by McCarthy? Do I start with Dak playing well below his standard? Do I start with the fact that wide receivers all night long could not separate to save their lives? Can I start with the fact that the Cowboys could not run the football for the majority of the night, which I did say wouldn't be the case because San Francisco's front is amazing? Can I start with the fact that the supposed best defense in the NFL, or at least one that was in the conversation for that, uh, you know, gave up 42 points to San Francisco? Uh, I mean, I can, I, can, I can start with all of those factors. And trust me, as a guy who picked Dallas to get to the Super Bowl not a good after, good evening for me, and certainly as a Dak Prescott fan. And let's talk about Dak because he's really been the story today. Um, Dak Prescott had a rough night against San Francisco, fourteen to twenty four, one hundred fifty three yards, a touchdown, three picks, QBR forty six, which actually isn't terrible, uh, but a pass rating that was not good at all, fifty one point six, and uh, he was benched in the fourth quarter. By the time the game got out of hand in favor of Cooper Rush to for you know for mop up duty. So, I'm sure what you guys are thinking. Oh, he's got nowhere to run now. He's got no The Dak Prescott defender, man, he can't, he can't, he can't escape this one. There's no need to escape. It's actually time to do something that we don't do very often, and that's move a segment a couple days ahead of time. It is time for this week's edition of Carving Up the Context. Here we go. So, regarding Dak Prescott, again, who had a bad, by any stretch, by by, by any metric, anything you want to look at, whether it's a tape, whatever the case may be, did not play good football last night. But didn't I say coming into this game that he wasn't going to play well and that Dallas would not break 20? Didn't I say that, hey, basically any quarterback, even the best ones, Take Mahomes and put him off to the side. Basically, all of them struggling against this Niners defense. And so when I saw today all the national media killing Dak Prescott, getting all over him for his performance last night, much of it was deserved. Much of it was warranted given his performance. But what we do on Carving Up Live here with the Carving Up the Context segment is we do just that. We provide context. And the context is something that I have been saying for literally years on Carving Up Live. And I'm like, screw it. Let's put together the data. So Dak has played ever since the San Francisco 49ers defense became a true powerhouse, starting in 2019. That was when they 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 got you know they got Fred Warner and I think Richard Sherman was actually on that defense. But they had big time playmakers. They drafted Nick Bosa that year, Defensive Rookie of the Year of that season. Uh, Kyle Shanahan had the Niners' offense rolling. That was really when San Francisco kind of started this this kind of run right now, right? If you look at how other quarterbacks, even good ones, have fared against San Francisco, hasn't been great. But let's look at Dak Prescott since this Niners defense became a true powerhouse. So he didn't play them in 2019. For the record, we took out 2020 because most of San Francisco starters were hurt. That 2020, let's just put that to the side. So 2019, 2021, 22, and this year. Dak Prescott's last three games, uh, his numbers against the 49ers. 204 yards a game, he averages a touchdown passing per game, two picks per game, a QBR of 44, a passer rating of 60, and the offense only scoring 13 points a game. Needless to say, those numbers are well below average uh, and quite pedestrian. But if you look at Dak, and we actually, I, I took I took a moment. I'm like, okay, let's look at other quarterbacks. Again, this is since 2019 because San Francisco's defense, that's when they became a powerhouse. And we put 2020 off to the side because most of San Francisco's defensive starters were hurt. Let's look at other good quarterbacks. Maybe you know these names. They're pretty good players. You ever heard of Aaron Rodgers? Ever heard of Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts? Jared Goff's having a big year, right? Was pretty good with L.A. Geno Smith, has he had kind of a resurgence. He has Matthew Stafford, even the year he won the Super Bowl. A lot of really good quarterbacks in this mix. Tua, everybody loves Tua. I bought in on Tua this year. Let's look at those guys. I took 13 games from 2019. We got three games from Aaron Rodgers. We got two from Stafford. We got a game from Lamar Jackson, a game from Jalen Hurts, a game from, from Jared Goff, a game from Tua. A game even from the greatest quarterback who ever walked this earth, Mr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Even he struggled against the Snyder's defense. Let's look at Dak relative to other starters, other either franchise quarterbacks or superstar quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's compare their numbers, shall we? Let's look at it. Let me remove this bar here. So, again... Dak, you see his numbers there against the Niners in the last three games. 204 yards, a touchdown, two picks, a QBR of 44, pass rating of 60, only averaging 13 points a game. The offense is, of course, the offense is headed by Dak. Other quarterbacks, the other hand, throw for less yards, 197. Throw for less touchdowns, 0. .77 touchdowns per game among these quarterbacks that I mentioned. Now they throw 0.92 interceptions per game, so that's obviously that's a that's a checking their box. Dak throws two game, that's not that's not great. QBR lower than Dak's 36 pass rating. Now the pass rating, big gap there. Uh, Dak only has a 60 pass rating against the Niners. The quarterbacks there, you can see them: Rogers, Stafford, Goff, Lamar, Cousins, Geno, Herbert, Tua, Brady, Hertz uh, have a pass rating combined against this Niners defense of 77, 13 points a game on both sides. So identical numbers. Some favor Dax, some favor the field. Again, the other quarterbacks I mentioned. Moral of the story, everybody not named Patrick Mahomes struggles against this 49ers defense. Now, you'll have the occasional game. Jarrett Stidham, Russell Wilson. Guys, we don't, Russell may or may not be better than Stidham, although Stidham may start over Russell pretty soon. Uh, whatever the case may be. We've seen quarterbacks have the occasional, wow, they, they play pretty good. Drew Brees, years ago, had a great game against this 49ers defense. But by and large, all in all, even the elite of the elite, even the MVPs of the NFL haven't played terribly well against this 49ers defense. Again, if we could put put up that list uh, one more time, if you look at this, you see Rodgers three times. One of those games that Aaron Rodgers, that we looked at, was his fourth MVP year. Stafford, one of those two matchups that we looked at, oh. Oh, it came from the year the Rams won the Super Bowl. Lamar, the one game Lamar's played against the Niners. He's actually going to play him later this year. Fun fact. Oh, that was. Wait, that was when he won the MVP as well. Funny, fun. Kurt Cousins won the better season of his career. He struggled. Tom Brady struggled. Everybody struggles against this 49ers defense. So this narrative that it's unique to Dak is crazy. It's lacking context. It's completely putting a, a, a an agenda up front saying, we're going to take this and we're going to run with it. I mean, I heard somebody today, and I have great respect for this guy. He's a re- First of all, he's a really good guy and a tremendous analyst on ESPN. Dan Orlovsky say that last night was the worst game of Dak Prescott's career. With all due respect, Dan, not even close. I would argue the game last year against San Francisco, the playoff game, was far worse for Dak. Some of the numbers might have been a little bit better through less picks, through a touchdown that game. QBR was a little bit better. Dak was awful in that play. And even even as a Dak fan, I came out, you checked the tape, I came out the very next day in the show, I said, that loss falls on Dak Prescott. There were receivers running open. CeeDee Lamb had a guy beat deep. He missed T.Y. Hilton on a throw. He missed CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup on two other throws. Guys were running open. That Dak didn't make the throws. Last night, Dak takes a snap. Nick Bosa's in his lap a half second later or Eric Armstead, or, or, or uh, I mean, you had what's the name, Fred Warner covering receivers, covering Brandon Cooks freaking 50 yards down the field. Nobody was open in Dallas. So it falls on everybody. It falls on the quarterback. It falls on the head coach. It falls on the defense. It falls on the skill position players. And some of it, too, falls the fact that San Francisco is just better than Dallas. I didn't think they were this much better than Dallas, but they're clearly, I think all of America would agree, except for Micah Parsons, evidently, They're better than Dallas. So this notion that Dak's the only quarterback who struggles against San Francisco, it's a false one because virtually all of them do. Except for, of course, Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, is by a pretty solid margin the best quarterback in the National Football League. I rest my case. And let's check some comments here. Got a Cowboys fan here. Patrick Brown. Let's pull up his comment. He says: worst loss since 2017 to Denver. This was an onslaught and an utter embarrassment by Dallas, all Bark. No bite when it was time to play. Nobody showed up. I actually think Patrick, it's the worst Cowboys loss since the it's, it's the worst in the Dak Prescott era. And I think it's the worst since the Eagles lost in 2017, uh, uh, right? Not 2019, 2017 uh, Dallas got blown out in a Sunday night game. I, I think only that one was worse, but point well taken. Patrick says that the great Kendrick Lamar said, sit down, sit down, be humble. That's what my Cowboys realized last night, and I don't want to hear anything else about being a better defense than San Francisco. I don't think anybody does uh, for that matter, Patrick, but again, great points across the board. And if I can, again, I I don't have this immediately in my notes, but if I can pull up something uh, real quick, because this, this hits near and dear to my heart, because you guys know I have, first of all, I've been a Micah Parsons fan since he stepped in the NFL. I remember I did a draft show. I was part of a draft show, rather, with uh, my man Ryan Flowers, who's a Cowboys fan, who's an inc- incredible uh, part of the grid network. But he did a draft show about two and a half years ago. And I remember Dallas on the clock and all the Cowboys fans, man, they wanted Patrick Sertan, which you understand why Patrick Sertan is an excellent corner, although the Broncos are having a pretty, pretty bad season defensively. But then Dallas traded back after Denver took Sertan. I said, oh, it's Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is the pick. He's a top five player in this draft. Dallas snagged him, and I think it's safe to say they – they made the right selection, in, you know, with the, with the I think it was the twelfth pick, eleventh pick, twelfth pick of the draft, whatever it was, um, that was a pr- pretty good decision on their part. But if I again, if I can just pull it up here, um, Micah Parsons uh, and the defensive player of the year discussion, because it's uh it's mind-boggling when you compare his numbers to somebody else. Where is it? I should, I should see. I should have written this written this down before the show. Hold on, because it's again, it's mind boggling. This is this is what happens. You do okay. Here it is. Okay, so we don't have a graphic, but I'll read it off for for the audience. Okay, so I have been saying since the start of the season, before the start of the season, as you guys know, it's my first first uh, season as a Steelers fan, but I still got to be objective. I said TJ Watt's the best player in the National Football League on defense. Absolutely, unequivocally, undeniably, it's T.J. Watt. But I was lectured, especially the early part of the season. Oh, when Dallas was playing some bad offensive lines, both actually New York teams, the Giants and Jets, Micah Parsons was abusing those left tackles and right tackles, respectively. And sometimes he was coming up the middle, too. Lectured, Micah Parsons better than T.J. Watt. Interesting. Let's compare their stats, shall we, through five weeks of the season. Micah Parsons has four sacks. TJ Watt has eight. He's doubled them up. Quarterback hits. Micah Parsons has eight quarterback hits. TJ Watt has 15. Almost doubled them there, too. Tackles for a loss. TJ, seven to six over Micah. Uh, Force fumbles. TJ, two to one over Micah. Fumble recoveries. TJ, three to one over Micah. Touchdowns. TJ, one to nothing over Micah. Passes defended. Four to one. TJ over Micah. Now, pressures Mike has got him, 31 21 to his credit, but in every other defensive category that matters, TJ Watt has him beat and in most by a substantial margin. Micah Parsons is a special talent on the defensive side of the football. He's so versatile. It's, it's amazing to watch. Speed jumps off the uh, uh, off the tape. He's not in TJ Watt's class. TJ Watt's in a difference. TJ Watt's a guaranteed first foul Hall of Famer if he retires right now. If he retires right now, check his numbers. Micah Parsons often. We saw this last year. Cowboys fans, you guys know this. Micah Parsons will go through these two, three game stretches where you're like, where's number eleven? Is it we, where is he? Who, who shot Micah? Like the who shot Jr. Remember TJ Watt? Oh, you feel You, you feel his presence every game. Feels presence every game, especially yesterday against Baltimore. So, can we dispel of this? notion that Micah is somehow a better defensive player than TJ Watt. He's not. Like, he's just not. Not even close. been saying that for a while now. And again, like I said, the loss on, as far as Dallas is concerned, everybody deserves blame. Everybody. Quarterback, coach, weapons, defense, everybody. I mean, really only Kicker. Kicker did his job. It was Aubrey is his name. Kicker did, did a solid job. Everybody else, blame all of them. Alright. So almost a half hour spent in this game, but Rightfully so. These are two, two excellent football games and teams. And by the way, I still think Dallas is a really good football team. I really do. Um, I think this is a team that is still capable, honest to God, of getting to the NFC Championship game. And you say, Bryson, you, you say San Francisco is the best roster of the league. That may be the best team in history. Why didn't you pick him to win the Super Bowl if you love Purdy so much? Well, Purdy was actually my struggle. It just wasn't his ability. It was. Dang, it's it's not been too long. It's been what eight months since the UCL injury. I'm like, oh, I don't know if he can come back and be himself. He, like he, he'll probably be 2024 20, by the time he gets to. Here I am. You could accuse me of being Aaron Rodgers and, and, and undermining and 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 underrating modern medicine. <laughs> okay, because whoever did the surgery on, on Brock Purdy did one heck of a job because he looks even better than last year. Patrick, oh, this is painful for the Cowboys fans right here. Patrick says we could have had TJ Watt in 2017, but we took a guy named Taco. And where is he versus TJ Watt? What could have been? Yeah, that would have been if he had gotten TJ and Micah, who. And that's again, it's not a shot at Micah's still an amazing player. He's not TJ. In no outside of outside of pressures, TJ hasn't beaten every category. I should have had a graphic for that, but you get the point. Man, what a crazy week five in the NFL, though, right? to get. I'll talk Steelers, Ravens later, um, Patriots, Saints. I think it's time for Bill Belichick to, to, well, he's not going to hang up the cleats because he's not a player, but hang up the hoodie, (laughs) so to speak. He can still wear hoodies. I'm wearing a hoodie right now, okay? It's nothing wrong with hoodies. But uh, I did want to talk about the first game of the day. It was actually played in London. Real quick, though, looks like we got another comment uh, Patrick says, I envy the Niners from top to bottom roster and coaching staff. They don't talk a whole lot. They play hard every single week. Regardless of the outcome, San Francisco will always be cream of the crop. Yeah. They're a listen, San Francisco, for those of you that don't know when I was, Cause again, I've been sort of like, I call myself a free agent fan in 2021 and 22. Like I was rooting for the Cowboys pulling for Dak. But I'm like, Gu- guys, I need a team. Like I'm not a Cowboys fan again, still to this to stay. I'm still rooting for Dak wherever he, he plays, whether it's Dallas or anywhere else. Um, I'm hoping he gets you know, somewhere else. But the point is um, I'm like, I need, I need a team. Like I, I just need a team. I'm Red Sox, Warriors, Vols. I need a team. And my, la- my, my, my last two, I mean, I was down to the last two teams, Pittsburgh and San Francisco. San Francisco, you're like, oh, of course, it was them. was you, 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 a, a loaded roster. Now it's the organizational structure, man. That means a lot to me. You're going to go through lean years. You're going to go through years where maybe you weren't very good. That's why I chose Pittsburgh, though, in the long run. Pittsburgh's organizational structure is about as good as there is in professional sports. I wish they'd fire their offensive coordinator, but that's... I'll get to that later. But the first game that was played in not in week five, but the first game that was played in uh, on Sunday afternoon was between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills. And I said coming in this one, I said this is the best, one of the better quarterback matchups of the NFL season. Josh Allen coming in this game on fire, had the bad game against the Jets, but was amazing against the Raiders, although who isn't? Uh, played pretty good against Washington, had a bad turnover, and was awesome last week against the Miami Dolphins, who is the hottest team in the NFL coming into that week. I step back and I'm like, okay, Josh Allen is a special talent. If he hits his ceiling, he's as good as a quarterback as there is in the league. Here's the issue. He, my friends, audience, anybody out there watching and listening, Josh Allen, my friends, is no Trevor Lawrence. Don't believe me? That's okay. Again, we are a, carving it up is after all an opinion show. That's how I founded the show almost four years ago. It's an opinion show. but We're not basing our opinions off of just, you know, pulling stuff out of our behind and just making stuff. No, no, no. We base it off of facts. And here are the facts. So, you know how I've been saying since uh, since the middle of last year, I said Trevor Lawrence, since week nine of 2021, has been undeniably the third best quarterback in the NFL. He finished last year, pro football Focus ranked in the third best quarterback over the second half of the season behind only Mahomes and Burrow, who in my eyes are the only two quarterbacks that are better than Trevor. But since week nine, 2022, I, did I say 2021 earlier? If I did, I apologize. Since week nine of 2022, let's look at Mr. Allen and Mr. Lawrence's numbers. Uh, oh, oh, Trevor has him beat virtually everywhere. 11 and five records for both. Thirty touchdowns for Allen, twenty-five for Lawrence. So Allen's going to beat there. Completion percentage goes to Lawrence. Yards per game, Allen. Okay. Passer rating goes to Lawrence, and both have a playoff win. But we just did carving up the context earlier, so might as well provide some extra context, some bonus content, uh, context content here for you guys. Josh Allen's playoff win was a nip and tuck game at home against Skylar Thompson, the Dolphins' third-string quarterback. Trevor Lawrence's playoff win, in the other hand, came against Justin Herbert. He's pretty good. I don't know if you guys have seen him. He's a pretty good quarterback in the the National Football League. Trailed 27-0, and in the second half, scored on every single drive to win the game. And for the first three weeks of the season, oh, you heard the Trevor haters. Oh, Trevor Lawrence, look at his numbers. They're not great. Trevor Lawrence, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Completely ignoring the fact that the Jaguars are at or near the top of the NFL coming in this week. And you saw plenty of examples yesterday, too, even in the win. Where it's at or at the top of the NFL in drops. Whether it was Calvin Ridley, whether it was, say, Jones, Evan Ingram. Remember Evan Ingram back when he was the Giants really had a bad case of drops. Everybody. Couldn't bail their quarterback out. You know, the, the job as a wide receiver is to catch passes, after all, and help your quarterback out. They weren't doing that through the first three weeks, and frankly, even last week against Atlanta. But Trevor Lawrence, having to having to stay, and this is not a shot in any way, shape, or form uh, to my friends across the pond in London, but when, you, when, when you're used to living in a certain area, heck, a certain country for a long time, and you have to go to a whole separate country. Actors do it all the time to their credit and reporters, so hats off to them. But it's different for athletes because you know, you're, you're playing a game. We know that goes. Second straight week, the Jaguars have had to be in London. Second straight week. Didn't no matter to Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence against the Buffalo Bills, the hottest team in the NFL. Some even argued the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, well, Trevor Lawrence did was go 25-37, to a touchdown, uh, no interceptions, although, in fairness, he did fumble twice. But a QBR 0-100 of 78, that's very good, and a pass rating of 103 if you round up. It's 102.9, we'll, we'll give him 103. That's, that's Trevor, that's, that's who he is. He's accurate, he's got a monster arm. How many times in that game did you see him escape, roll out, make plays with his legs? That's Trevor Lawrence for you, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he does. And so when we when we continue these these notions about oh Allen's the Allen's in that class with Mahomes or, and Burrow and, and Jalen Hurts. While well, I love Hurts, not in this class, and Jalen Hurts is in this class, et cetera, et cetera. No. No, that, 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 that's the guy. Six six, big arm, mobile, accurate. He's got the whole package. And you just allowed him, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you were the team that allowed Trevor Lawrence. Remember the old meme back in the day of that high school football player in Detroit? I think I got my swagger back. Trevor Lawrence has got a swagger back, ladies and gentlemen. Whether it's the hair, whether it's the, the, the six foot six quarterback frame, he's got a swagger back, and you could see it. Stepping into throws with confidence, knowing his receivers are going to actually catch passes now. And if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, you gotta be feeling pretty good. So you got the Colts next week. Uh, now the Colts are uh, frisky. Watch out for the Colts. Okay. Good win against the Titans yesterday. But they can beat the Colts. Okay. Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since like 2014. Uh, then they've got at the Saints in a short week. At Pittsburgh. Uh, that's 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 a tough one. Niners, that's a tough one. But then you got Titans, Texans, who are frisky, but still Jaguars are better. Bengals, Browns, Ravens. Watch out. Watch out for the Jaguars, ladies and gentlemen. I said this team would play in the in the, in the AFC title game. Rather, feeling pretty good about that. I, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Feeling pretty darn good about that about the prospects of that actually happening. Trevor Lawrence, the man, and Trevor Lawrence, since he got this new system and got comfortable in this new system with Duck Peterson last year, is absolutely a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Is Josh Allen's ceiling higher? Maybe. We've seen Josh Allen put together some awesome games against really good teams, such as Kansas City. But his floor... His floor's bad. Now, he didn't hit his floor yesterday, but Buffalo, four minutes left that game, had seven points. They scored a couple of touchdowns there late to make the game somewhat interesting, but it was going to take some onside kicks. Jacksonville's the better team, by the way. Too can we talk about what Trevor Lawrence did on on third down in the second half? Because it is truly remarkable. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence in the second half of this football game complete uh, uh, completed a third and eleven, a third and seven, a third down and one, converted rather, convert all those plays. Uh, he's also he also converted a another third down and one. I'm sorry, a third down and uh, and five. He converted a third, another third down and five. He converted a third down and four. That's Trevor, y'all. That's that's what he does. Third and long, third and short, third and medium. Didn't matter. It's what he does. If his receivers catch passes, that is. I mean, Tua, who I mean, I bought into. I I'm like Dolphins fans, you got me. You got me. You won on Tua, okay? Tua looked kind of pedestrian last week against the Buffalo Bills. By the way, most of the quarterbacks do. Trevor's like, I got this. Second straight week of having to be in London, eh, no no biggie. Hottest team in the NFL, not named San Francisco, no problem. Just get on my back, and I'm going to carry you to the promised land in this game. And that's what he did. Uh, Parnell, who's not quite as high in Trevor's eye am, he says, I wouldn't go that far with the Jags yet. That's fair. I think Miami has a better team. Uh, Buffalo, uh Debatable. Especially with which this is very unfortunate with the Bills. They lost their starting corner for the year. Their starting linebacker for the year in Matt Milano. So that's tough. Von Miller did come back yesterday. We'll see if he's able to work his way back into what he was last year pre-injury. He is, after all, getting up there in age. But let's see if you're if you're if you're a Bills fan, you're you're struggling that side of the ball defensively. And by the way, Jacksonville straight up beat you head to head on a neutral site. Actually, not even a neutral site field. Like that was a Bills home game. If you watched that game in the NFL Network yesterday morning, that was a Bills home game. Didn't matter. Trevor's got this. Trevor, Trevor's got this. Again, I'll put up the stats one more time. Since Trevor got a hold in this offense in week nine of 2022, they had the same record. Allen has more touchdown passes and a uh, better yards per game. Although the yards per game is by the skin of his teeth. But Trevor has less interceptions, a better completion percentage, a better passer rating, and has one playoff win, just like Josh Allen does. And the difference, of course, is that Josh Allen's win came against Skylar Thompson and Trevor's came against Justin Herbert on a 27-0 comeback. Allen's great. He's no Trevor. We're we're just, just wait. Trevor got to that, Trevor got off to a slow start last year. Just wait. He won't let you down. For some odd reason, we're dealing with some connection issues uh, throughout the show. I don't know what's what's really been going on there. Uh, matter of fact, how about I try this, ladies and gentlemen. If I can, just for a moment, just literally for like five seconds or so, I'll put up the Carving Up Live uh, logo real quick. I'll back out and go back in and see it. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Let's see if that let's see if that fixes the connection. Sorry, I just oh it's still giving it's still giving problems. I don't know what it is. So again, if the if the video feed is a little off, I apologize. I'm not not sure why the Wi-Fi is is, is giving issues, but uh, as long as y'all can hear me, see me relatively well enough, then we'll obviously finish the show uh, as planned. Uh, by the way, I did want to shift to this game as well because I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Aside from the Steelers win over the Ravens, which I'll get to in about ten minutes. I did enjoy this other matchup. This is the, no other one o'clock game gave me more joy than this matchup. Okay. So the New England Patriots nearly topped their worst loss in the Belichick era. Nearly topped it. This time though, in shutout fashion, 34 to nothing against the New Orleans Saints who had an offense problem to the first four games of the year, even with Derek Carr. Couldn't score points on a consistent basis, and they dropped 34, although seven of those points came in a pick six by Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. But Derek Carr was good. Two touchdown passes, QBR 71 pass rating of 114. Derek Carr played well, and uh, Saints running game, although not. Again, it took him 42 carries to get to a buck 36, but nonetheless established the run relatively early and relatively often. Listen, I did my Mac Jones last week as we shift to New England. I, I, I did my Mac Jones rant last week. He's not good. He's clearly a backup. I think even the biggest Mac Jones defenders can very obviously see that. Again, 12 for 22, 110 yards, two interceptions. The first one, which was the pick six, was an awful throw. Uh, had a pass rating of 30 and a QBR 0 to 100 of 7. Because he's 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 not good. Like he's that I've been saying that I've been saying since the day he stepped in the NFL. He's a backup quarterback. Like that's that that that's just where it's at. So um, Mac Jones is not good. Um, however, this is not about Mac Jones today. This is about Bill Bel- Bill Belichick. So um, yesterday again against the Saints offense that was. Struggling pretty badly, so badly that Adam Schefter actually reported Sunday morning on ESPN that if the Saints lost and had a bad offensive performance, they were likely going to fire their offensive coordinator. That's how bad it was. I mean, if you look at the Saints' first four games of the year, rough sledding offensively: sixteen twenty eight. I'm sorry, sixteen twenty seventeen and nine. I mean, they've got got to twenty once through their first four games, and they broke thirty four. Yesterday, again, one of the, seven of those points coming out of pick six, but you get the picture. They were much better offensively. So now you can't even say about Bill Belichick, hey, listen, his offenses are bad. The man does not know how to draft to save his life. <laughs> his defenses are good, though. You know, they take the ball away consistently. They get to the quarterback consistently. Can't say that anymore. I know Christian Gonzalez is out, and I love Christian Gonzalez. Said so after he was drafted out of Oregon. He's not that valuable. He's he's valuable. He's not he's not thirty four to nothing valuable. Again, we know New England's offense is bad, but this comes down to look. I don't. I'm not going to state the obvious. Oh yeah, Tom Brady was more impactful to New England's success than Bill Belichick. Yeah, duh. Fact of the matter is, I said that on my show before Brady even left New England. If you look at Belichick's coaching record pre Brady, wasn't great. One playoff appearance, losing record, no conference title game appearances. I've actually compared him to Andy Reid and said, Reid's the better coach. Reid's had success without Mahomes. Belichick's had no success without Brady. But be that as it may, even if Brady leaves, which he did in 2020, and New England is no longer in championship contention, which you're not going to, when Michael Jordan retires, the, the Bulls are not in championship contention. When LeBron leaves Cleveland twice, they're out of the mix. Okay, when you have these historically great athletes that leave a franchise, they're not going to be good. They may be respectable, but they're not going to be good. Belichick (laughs) hasn't even been respectable. In this basically three and a quarter years since Tom left, they have a playoff appearance in the resume. And by the way, in that playoff appearances, in that one playoff appearance, yeah, they were beat by 30 against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. They were awful D- defense was awful. Mac Jones was awful. Belichick was awful if and I said this about Mac last week, I said even as a Mac Jones skeptic or at this point just a truth teller when he came to the NFL I'm like, okay look the kid's really smart makes good decisions doesn't turn the ball over like he's he's pretty good in the pocket. he's accurate. and I said th- last week, okay, you can't even say those things about Mac anymore. you can't the things that used to be Belichick's kind of hallmarks like the things you could always get with him on a week-to-week basis, can't get anymore. Penalties, they're one of the most penalized teams in the National Football League, and some pretty bad ones at some pretty inopportune times. Defense, awful. Drafting, which Belichick is the general manager of the Patriots, awful. I mean, folks, hes he took two guards <laughs> in the draft last year. Like An offense that is devoid of talent at the quarterback position, at the running back position, at the skill position, players, wide receivers, tight ends. He's out here taking interior offensive linemen. The guy is stuck in not just 2000, guys stuck in like 1980 in terms of how you win football games in the NFL. And so I think it's safe to say, given how bad it's been for New England, again, folks, the Patriots in their last two games have been outscored 72 to three. Now, the three, of course, has a lot to do with Mac Jones, who is, simply put, not a very good quarterback and is a backup, but I've been saying that. But the the 72 part, now, we, let's subtract 14 because two of those came on Mac Jones. Uh, actually, sorry, 21 of those came on Mac Jones turnovers, so no shock there. So 62, subtract 21, that's still forty, uh, uh, 41. 41 to three. That doesn't... Set off the alarm bells just a little bit. You do have Matthew Judon. You've still got pretty good linebackers. Can't make it happen. Again, against the Saints' offense yesterday, that cannot score points right now through the first part of the season. So what do I think is going to happen? First of all, I think the Patriots are going to go best-case scenario 6-11, and 11, which is where I had them at before the year started, last in the AFC East. I mean, the Jets with freaking Zach Wilson look better today. Jets without their starting quarterback look better than the Patriots. I think a season's end. Bob Kraft, and we know Bob Kraft is a competitive man like all the great owners in sports are. He, he's not a guy who's just going to rest in his laurels, be chill. You know what? I've got the six Lombardis. I've got the six ring. No, 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 no. Not the good owners, and Robert Kraft certainly qualifies as that. Season's end. Who do the Patriots play? Just out of curiosity. Okay, the Patriots play the Jets in Week 18. I'm going to assume they probably lose that game. I mean, they barely won. I mean, they scored 15 points against the Jets. Barely won last time. But I would have to assume, and frankly, I think this is what's going to happen. Bob Kraft calls Belichick in his office the next day, the morning of January the 8th, 2024. This is Bill. It's been a great run. It's been 23 years. Vast majority of those were contending for championships. It's a lot of fun. But either you step down as general manager or we agree to part ways. Because virtually all the players in that football field, if not all of them, on that football field for the New England Patriots yesterday and this season, Belichick handpicked handpicked every single one. So Bill Belichick, the general manager, is negatively impacting Bill Belichick, the coach who already I said was overrated before the year, or not before the year, for four years. And if Belichick refuses to get the GM role, then Boffcraft says that I'm going to have to ask for a letter of resignation. And it's going to be a press release by the the Patriots. The Bill, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have mutually agreed to part ways. Like, he's not going to fire him. He's not going to say, Bill, it's been good. You're out of here. He's not going to do, not after the, how much success the Patriots have had. I know Brady was, was Brady deserves 80, 90% of the credit there. Bill was still part of that. Bill put, still put together some great game plans against the greatest show on turf back in 2001. Uh, he's, he's, he was still a part of this. He's not just going to kick him out the back door. But either he lets go of some power, which he's so... So much sought after, Brady left, or he leaves. That's what's going to happen. And knowing Belichick, he probably um, he probably says, "You know what? Screw it. I'm out of here." That's what I think is going to happen. I think this is Bill Belichick's final season as the New England Patriots head coach. I mean, at some point, at some point, results have to matter more than reputation. Sure, his reputation is that of a guy who is chasing Don Shula. For the most wins by a coach in NFL history. At this rate, you think he's going to get that? I sure don't. This offense is abysmal. This defense is poorly coached. And Bill Belichick is a bad general manager and has been for quite some time. What you going to do, New England? Very curious to see darian hopkins is in the comments darian hopkins of the grid network big raiders fan raiders got a big game tonight i assume he'll i assume darian's gonna be probably doing a live stream show which he's been doing a great job with uh since joining the network he says what's good Darian?" or he says what's good what's what's good darian and he says "Mac jones got ruined when you tried to make a defensive coordinator to call offensive plays again i always refute that by saying and again you're not entirely wrong darian But I always refute that by saying, A, check Mac Jones when he had an actual offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Please check Mac Jones' stats in the last half or the last quarter of 2021. Check Bailey Zappi's stats with that same defensive coordinator as the offensive coordinator. And obviously with Bill O'Brien this year, please check Mac Jones' stats this year. They're they're bad. They're really bad. Uh, So, yeah, it's, 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 it's rough. How the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen in New England. It's 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 gotten to an all-time low. It really has. By the way, the Patriots have the Raiders next week. So, so Belichick against one of his disciples, Josh McDaniels. Uh, but again, if you look at New England's schedule, folks, they're going not, they're not gonna win a whole lot of football games. They're they're at one and four today. Uh let's just say the segment, let's just say they get lucky, beat the Raiders. They've still got the Bills two more times this season. They've got the Dolphins. Uh, this year as well. They've got Kansas City. They've got Pittsburgh. They've got the more talented Chargers. Forget the playoffs. This team might be in the running for Caleb Williams. It's bad. Bad days in New England. But I can't say I'm surprised. I I I said the day that Tom Brady left, back in 2020, said it on carving it up, that uh, (laughs) Brady would come out of this looking a lot better than Belichick, and I think that's, that goes without saying, he very much has. Uh, Patrick is in the comments. He says, the Raycon earbuds uh, sound really good. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, or, I don't think, actually, he's not, he's complimenting the earbuds. He's not complimenting me. I, my apologies. He says, the Raycon earbuds sound really good. I love my earbuds as well. Yeah, the Raycon earbuds, ma'am. I'm not doing like an ad for them or anything. Although, if they want to pay me, that's, they are more than welcome to, uh, as any potential advertiser is. Um, but, no, Raycon, Raycon do have really good earbuds. These, these are the clearest ones I've had for a while clearest ones I've had no question about it. Uh before I get to Steelers Ravens, just as I do every week every Monday show I want to recap some of the other games in the NFL then I'll do Ravens Steelers and then talk about or predict Packers Raiders which is the final game of this week on Monday night football tonight. So uh what games we have, we had the Titans and the Colts, so Jonathan Taylor came back from injury but was secondary. Obviously the the, the Colts are trying to kind of work him back into the fray, into that offensive system. Zach Moss had a massive day: twenty-three carries, one hundred sixty-five yards, two touchdowns. If anybody had Zach Moss in fantasy, you probably won. Uh, if if not, if not, your other players didn't show up because Zach Moss was outstanding. Jonathan Taylor only six carries for eighteen yards, but you have to assume obviously his holdout ended. For those who don't know, his holdout ended this past weekend. He got a three-year, forty-two million million dollar contract, so he got his money. And uh, but they'll work him back into that role, but. Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, that'd be one heck of a duo. Uh, The bad news for the Colts, though, despite the win is that Anthony Richardson, according to head coach Shane Steichen, is going to be out for about a month with an AC joint uh, injury. I actually read he was taken to the hospital uh, before the game was over. Gardner Minshew, who's one of the best backups, if not the best backup in the NFL, stepped in, played pretty well, had a QBR of 89, a pass rating over 100. Uh, Man, the ship did a good job. Again, listen, Gardner won that game a couple weeks ago against Baltimore, played very well in the rain, so... Uh, He's more than capable backup. The Colts at 3-2, and by the way, tied for the division lead with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They happen to play Jacksonville Gardner against his old team next week uh, in Jacksonville. Again, the Colts famously have not won a game in Jacksonville, Florida in nine years. So definitely a game to watch next week. Jags, for the record, are four-point favorites. Only four-point favorites. So the divisional familiarity certainly runs deep. But the Colts, so let's say Richardson misses the next month. So yesterday was October 8th. So in that stretch, they've got at Jaguars home against the Browns, home against the Saints, and uh at the Carolina Panthers before going to Germany to take on the Patriots. So uh that that's obviously some some tough games in there. Jacksonville's a really tough one, but Colts are better than I thought that uh, they are. And I liked the direction they were going as an organization with the hiring of Shane Steichen, given his history with developing quarterbacks. We've seen real flashes from Anthony Richardson. It's just Unfortunately, thus far, the poor can't can't stay healthy, uh, which really sucks. But the good news for the Colts is they have a very capable backup. Uh, as for Tennessee, how they how they managed to somehow uh, squander an eight, a one hundred forty yard receiving game from DeAndre Hopkins is beyond me. Um, I love Mike Vrabel, but it, it's time to move on from Ryan Tannehill. It is at least try Malik Willis, uh, see what he's got. He looked he had a decent preseason. Try Malik Willis out; can't hurt things. Okay, we had talked about Saints-Patriots. The Falcons beat the Texans on a walk-off field goal by young Hoku. C.J. Stroud, once again, was really good. Um, Had a a touchdown drive at the end that gave the Texans the lead before Desmond Ritter, which I've never been a Desmond Ritter guy, but hey, the kid, and this is a wild stat, Desmond Ritter has not lost a football game uh, at home in college or in the NFL, has not lost a home game in college or in the NFL. College at Cincinnati, the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons. Pretty wild stat, but it, it, it's true. So hats off to to uh, to Desmond Ritter. Played pretty well yesterday. Actually played very well. Threw for over 300 yards. Pass rating over 100. CJ Stroud actually broke my man Dak Prescott's record for the most consecutive passes thrown without an interception to start an NFL career. Who'd have thought that a turnover-prone quarterback, at least what people tell me is, uh, would have such a record? Really get you thinking. Uh, Also, we had the Lions. And you know know, know what today is? Detroit Lions win. You guys know the sound bites uh, that I'm going to play. Here we go, Dan Campbell. What happened yesterday? Kneecap. 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 Love it. Every week, every Lions win, and those are, there's gonna be a lot of those this season. Lions are at four and one. Jared Goff was outstanding, three touchdown passes, no turnovers. Uh, Detroit ran for over 150 yards. Uh, listen, Carolina is in a, in a Carolina is in a, in a rough spot. Only winless team to this point in the NFL, 0 and five. And to make matters worse, Chicago has their pick. Uh, listen, Bryce Young showed some flashes here and there. Again, I, I really liked Bryce at Alabama. I, I mean, he scared the crap out of me when he was playing Tennessee in that crazy game a year ago. But it's it's the size, man. It's the size is a legitimate concern and a legitimate kind of hindrance for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, if it, you historically look at the best quarterbacks in NFL history, all of them are pretty big, strong athletes. Brady, Manning, Marino, uh, uh, Favre. I mean, Drew Brees is the outlier. Quarterbacks that look like Drew Brees from a stature standpoint do not go on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. So... I mean, Drew did it because obviously he had a great offensive mind and Sean Payton, more on him a little later. Uh, Drew was probably the most accurate quarterback that ever played the game. So, I mean, you got to have that in order to be in that discussion. Uh, John Rivera said, let's go Jets. Hey, heck yeah, good, great job by the Jets. Great win by the Jets. Uh, you know what? I'll, since John John comments in, he says hit the like button. Thank you so much, John John. I really, really appreciate that. Uh Hosts, by the way, of the Fan Perspective podcast uh, and does it. He's a big, big Jets fan. Great guy. So I uh, appreciate that. So John, John, since you say that, I'll just skip a few games down to Jets Broncos. in uh, what was the game where the the Jets avenged their offensive coordinator who the head coach of the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton, famously said this off season that Nathaniel Hackett did the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL last year with the Broncos. And he wasted all this talent that was here and, and the Broncos are one and four, and Russell was awful. And the defense continues to be awful. So <laughs> hey, listen, hats off to the Jets. Big time win. Zach Wilson. He threw a really bad red zone interception. Uh, but all in all, Zach played fine. Um Pass running in the 70s, completion percentage was pretty good, 199 yards. Again, Russell was awful. QBR of 19, uh, threw for under 200 yards. I think only had like 60 passing yards or something crazy entering the fourth quarter. So uh, really brutal loss for the Broncos. And by the way, it doesn't exactly get easier for Denver. Uh, They've got, if we check their schedule moving forward, short week, they got at the Kansas City Chiefs, Three days from now, in Arrowhead, Kansas City's a double-digit favorite, as you would imagine. Can- I'm sorry, Denver's also got the Packers. Then they got the Chiefs again. Then at the Bills. I mean, it's it's a rough next few games. They still have to play Detroit this year. Br- brutal, brutal stretch for the Denver Broncos this year. And, you know, Sean Payton, they, they made him eat his words. They, they made him eat his words, the Jets. I mean, this was obviously the day Aaron Rodgers went down, the play Aaron Rodgers went down. Obviously, with that snapped Achilles, it snapped the Super Bowl hopes and dreams of the Jets this year. However, however, this was one of those games on their schedule, even with Aaron Rodgers and certainly without him uh, having to, to play more mistake-free football, which they mostly did. But this was kind of their Super Bowl to a certain extent where it's like, okay, you know what? Coach over there, bad are off offensive coordinator. We really like him. Let's, let, let, let's, let's kick their arse today. You know, let, let, let's take it to them. And for the most part, they did. So hats off to the Jets. By the way, two and three, only a half game out of the, of the division lead. So I mean, watch out. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I apologize. Not a half game out of the division lead. They're actually two games back. The division lead of Miami. They're probably, I don't think anybody's catching Miami if that division, including Buffalo. But I said when Rogers went down and I was in the minority, when I said this, I said, with. Okay, quarterback play, I swear to y'all, this team can make the playoffs. They can. And the good news if you're a Jets fan is you play the Eagles next week. Like Bryson, how is that good news? (laughs) The Eagles are way better than the Jets. they're not, they're probably going to lose that game. But that will conclude the first part of their schedule, which we said, even with Aaron Rodgers, man, if they can escape this with a 3-3 and record, they'll feel really good about themselves. Well, it looks like it's all likely going to be two and four uh, again. I have a hard time seeing them beat Philadelphia the way Philadelphia could dominate up front. By the way, the Jets lost Elijah barrett Tucker for the season, uh, which which sucks due to an injury. But the Jets after that, after the Eagles game, Jets have Giants, Chargers, Raiders, Bills is tough, Dolphins is tough, but then Falcons, Texans, uh, Dolphins again, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. I'm seeing if Zach Wilson, who's played really well last week, played pretty good this week by his standards at least. If Zach Wilson is fine, commit doesn't play bad football in terms of turning the football over at inopportune times, if he plays good football and, 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 and sound football, Jets can make the playoffs. I, I've said that for a while now. They still can get it. They're not going to win the Super Bowl, certainly. And they'll be one and done if they do make the playoffs, but they can get in. They really can. The way this defense is playing, the way Brees Hall is playing, they can. And Sala, I think, is a good coach. John, John says, does Denver blow it up and start trading everyone? Well, you can't trade Russell because the con- nobody's going to take that contract. And what's again what's crazy about Russell is the Denver contract that he signed has not even kicked in yet. Okay, Russell, this is the last year of a Seahawks deal. So again, Denver from a salary cap, they are in absolute hell from a salary cap standpoint with Russell Wilson being the the, the front runner of that. But uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I wouldn't be shocked if they move on from from Sertan, maybe from Cortland Sutton, or Jerry Judy, one of their top two receivers to a team that needs one. They're in a rough... I mean, they just traded Randy Gregory to the 49ers, so... Or did they trade him there, or did they pick him up? I don't know. Randy Gregory's not with Denver anymore. That's all I do know. Patrick says, Broncos country... It's his favorite thing. Broncos country, let's cry. Broncos country, no further comments. Yeah, Broncos tied... Uh, for the second worst record in the National Football League, like, I didn't have Denver make the playoffs, but I thought they'd be better than this. And Russell has been better this year than he has been than he was last year, but it's overwhelmingly been pretty much a disaster. Uh, what else we got? Dolphins beat the Giants. I was it was kind of a heartbreaking game for me, just because again I don't bet. That's why the segment's called "If I Were a Bet Man" on Fridays. But I took Miami to win, obviously. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. But I did think the Giants would cover. I feel like 11 points was a lot. You just got embarrassed on national TV. Uh, the Giants put up a, a respectable fight, but Miami was simply the better team. Two threw a really bad goal line interception, or goal line pick six, rather. But other than that, they were, Miami was good. Two threw for over 200 yards. Uh, I'm sorry, over 300 yards. Daniel Jones left with a neck injury. Daniel Jones was really taking a beating yesterday. So a rough spot for the Giants to be in from that perspective. Rod Taylor came in and finished the day off in mop-up duty, but it looks like it looks like Daniel Jones is going to be available next week for the Giants who play, who the Giants play next week. They've got at the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football. Okay, that's so it's doesn't exactly get easier. And we know Daniel Jones historically is really bad in primetime games. Again, folks, I really apologize. I don't know why we're having connection issues. I really don't uh sometimes from time to time and it's happened in the off season before like during the summer, but today the, the connection is just just giving problems so again if the if the I hope the audio quality is good that's what matters if you don't hear what i'm saying it doesn't matter what what you see on the screen. But if the, the screen's a little pixelated again, for those that are even watching clips on YouTube of the show that I put out there, I sincerely apologize. We'll have this fixed by, by Wednesday show. I'm not sure why the wi is, is giving problems. Uh, what other games we have? The Bengals beating the Cardinals and covering, which I said they would Joe Burrow. This was his best game of the season. It's not even close. Joe threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. And what was incredible is that, you know, Joe, you know, last week when the Bengals got hammered by the Titans in Nashville, that was the most uncomfortable I've seen Joe from a health standpoint. You're seeing on the sideline; he's grimacing more than usual. He's limping all over the place, and and Burrow and Zach Taylor as well said on uh, you know during practice that you know Joe is is feeling the best that he's felt physically. I'm like, I don't know how. And I was the, I was one of the, I was the guy leading the train saying rest Burrow the next two weeks. Then you go in the bye week. Then you put him back out there on October 29th against San Francisco. He looked really healthy Less yesterday. Didn't look terribly mobile. Uh, that the, the calf is still obviously bothering him, but man was taking some shots down the field. Jamar Chase was a man amongst boys. Fifteen catches for 192 yards and three touchdowns—the best receiver in the in the National Football League this week from a production standpoint. Uh, my man Joshua Dobbs struggled uh, much of the afternoon, uh, under 50 percent completion percentage, and a couple of pick uh, a couple picks, one of them being a very unfortunate pick six. But good win for the Bengals. They uh, keep their season alive to a certain degree. John John says the sound is good. Well, that's good. I'm glad the sounds good again. I, the, 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 the video quality is just, just giving us problems. I don't know what's up. Uh, what other games Eagles beat the Rams decisively 23 to 14. Uh, I, that was actually not only my, it was, it was my, it wasn't, well, my upset of the week was Jaguars over the bills, but this was my, if I were a Batman game, so I would have gotten this wrong. Cause not only did I pick the Rams to cover, but I think the Rams went out right. And for, you know, while they the first half, looked like they had a shot, but Jalen was outstanding over 300 yards passing in the Eagles rushing game. Shocker, shocker was amazing as well. And their offensive line dominated much of the night. But what I think is, again, just never ceases to amaze me from week to week, uh, you know, from week to week. No team, and I still maintain this, beats you up up front on both sides of the ball more than Philadelphia does. They have the best offensive line in the NFL and a top five defensive line in the NFL. They they are going to be tough. They it kind of feels like at this point they are kind of on a collision co- course with San Francisco. Although I still maintain the Detroit Lions will play in the NFC title game. People are just I saw the Vegas odds today. It went Niners as the favorites to win the conference, followed by Philly and Dallas. I'm like, can Detroit get any respect? Can Detroit get any respect? Come on now, go in with the Eagles though. Struggle. A rough day for the Rams offensive line, which. We all know before the season and certainly now is is below average. And then finally, Chiefs beat the Vikings 27-20. Travis Kelsey got injured in this game, did not practice. Uh doesn't look like he's well, I shouldn't say doesn't look like it's too early, but it's looking iffy on whether he'll be able to go on to on Thursday night against the Broncos. But Patrick Mahomes was great again. No surprise there. He's Patrick Mahomes. Uh Kirk Cousins actually played a pretty good game, threw a couple touchdown passes. Uh some unfortunate officiating uh breaks, at least if you're a Vikings fan, going in favor of the Chiefs, particularly the the missed interference call and then the defensive back for the Chiefs taking his helmet off in the field of play. Uh so you know, rough afternoon for the Vikings. They drop to one and four, Kansas City gets to four and one. And I still maintain that's the best thing in the AFC until uh, until further notice, until somebody separates themselves moving forward. Okay, get to this topic. Then we'll move on to Raiders-Packers predictions uh, later in the show as we do have a comment on Carving Up Live. Patrick says, Joe Burrow looked good, looked as good all season. Uh, Jamar Chase was unstoppable. Jamar Chase was unstoppable. He he tends to be that. Remember Jamar said last week, hey, guys, I'm always effing open. <laughs> yeah, he was. Again, 15 for a, a buck 90 and three tuds. Yeah, that's pretty open. He, he was really good. Okay, Steelers-Ravens. You know, I got to talk about my Steelers now. I got to talk about my Steelers. So that was a weird game to watch. Listen, I'm a baby Steelers fan. It's my first, first year as a, as a Steelers fan um, since I picked them to be my lifelong team this summer. It was a weird game because I said on Friday's show, I picked the Ravens to win, but the Steelers to cover. I was half right, of course. But I said, what I think is going to happen is it's going to be another classic Raven Steelers physical defensive battle that the Ravens come out on top end. Obviously, in this case, Pittsburgh came out on top end. But I also thought, I hope we get blown out. I hope we get humiliated and Matt Canada gets fired. Matt Canada did not get fired despite some... <laughs> some really bad coaching missteps, particularly the late game, literally giving the Ravens a second chance and a miracle win with an extra 40 seconds on the illegal formation on a freaking kneel down, trying to do their best Miami Hurricanes impression to a certain extent... Rough loss for Miami on Saturday. Ugh. Point is, I really liked what I saw from Kenny Pickett. And you're looking at Kenny Pickett's stat line, like, eh, 18-32, 224, QBR at 43, pass rating, okay, 88. Like, it's not it's not exactly on my home stat line. This is why I said coming in this year, I said I think Kenny Pickett has a breakout season. He obviously has not even come close to that thus far, um, most of that being due to offensive play calling what this kid does, it's it's so and I talked about this last year when I even when I was a Steelers fan. Remember when Pittsburgh went on that winning streak and they were winning all those close games? And I said, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it is. There's something Kenny Pickett's just one of those guys. There, there's not a throw that I've seen from Kenny Pickett all season long. Maybe one. They haven't seen two throws from Kenny Pickett all season long, where I'm like, dang, that was a good throw. Oh, he fitted in that window there. I just, I have, I really haven't seen it. Late game, man, (laughs) overcoming the albatross around his and the Steelers' offense's neck that is Matt Canada. The guy puts on a superhero cape. I mean, that last drive, you know, again, Kenny has struggled most of the afternoon. Some of that is because Baltimore is a really good defense, some of that is complete incompetence on the part of Steelers' offensive play calling. But, uh, Kenny Pickett completes the pass to Allen Robinson on third and nine with just over, with, uh, th- just under three and a half minutes to go. Great play by him. Then he obviously hit uh, George Pickens on third down and four, doing his best Trevor Lawrence impression, converting all these third downs uh, for 21 yards. Uh, then a couple plays after the two-minute warning, of course, hitting George Pickens for what was in it, ended up being the game when he touchdowns from 41 yards out. Uh, again, the Ravens send the blitz. He feels that he backs up. Off his back foot, great throw to uh, to Pickens. Hit him in stride. Pickens score the touchdown. Uh, again, this is a guy in Pickens who you want to get the ball to as much as possible. Uh, he's a he has the potential to be one of the five best receivers in the sport. I truly believe that he's a great route runner. His catch radius might be the best in football, not outside of DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. He's that that great, that talented in that regard. But again, what I You want to see, I've I've always said there's a difference to me between a superstar quarterback and a franchise quarterback. I've always said a franchise quarterback, in my definition of it at least, is a guy you can win the Super Bowl with. Now, there's different levels of that. There's the Mahomes level, who he's obviously a franchise quarterback, but he's a superstar, where if you give him just a couple pieces, he can pretty much make everything else work and take you to the promised land. Or then it's the, the Kirk Cousins route, the Derek Carr route, where Everything kind of has to be a little bit perfect, but if it is, they can, they can take you places. Now, I like Carr more than, than Cousins, but you get the point. Kenny has, I, I don't know if the Steelers can win a Super Bowl with Kenny, but as I said last week when the Steelers got hammered by Houston, I said, I'll make a fair assessment on the kid when he gets an actual OC because we as we all know, Matt Canada was a, was a bad offensive coordinator in college. The heck makes me think he's going to be good in the NFL. I don't know how Mike Tomlin hasn't come to that conclusion. Even Kenny Pickett, I saw he was interviewed after the game by CBS. And even he looked after a great win, after a game-winning drive. Even he looked a little irritated, like, yeah, we're we're really not even close to where we want to be. Mike Tomlin kind of alluded to that. Again, the problem is in the building. I don't know why they won't move on, but great win for the Steelers going the bye. I did too want to touch on Baltimore. By the way, was yesterday not a bad day for Baltimore sports or what? So the Ravens lose a game in which their defense plays outstanding in against the Steelers of all teams. My Steelers, great win, Pittsburgh. Also, and this makes me happy as a Red Sox fan, the Baltimore Orioles, who won 100 games this year and I'd never quite bought into, down two games to none in a best-of-five series to the Texas Rangers, who choked away the AL West at the end of the regular season. Bad day for Baltimore sports. But for the Ravens, uh, Here's how I assess that game. So a lot of people have been crushing Lamar Jackson today. You guys know, even as, now as a Steelers fan, that doesn't change the fact that I really like Lamar Jackson, uh, like what he brings to the table, like how he's improved every year. And I certainly, part of the reason I, I saw the Ravens and still see the Ravens as Super Bowl contenders in the AFC is because the offensive of play calling changed with Todd Munkin coming in. Two things can be true, as I say often. Lamar Jackson in the last two minutes of that game probably could not have been worse. Also, through the first 56 minutes of that game, his receivers could not have played worse. And frankly put, if they catch half of the passes they dropped, Baltimore wins the game. I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, Pro Football Focus just came out with this uh, yesterday. Okay? Our next-gen stats, Pro Football Focus won the two. Okay? The Ravens had seven drops yesterday against my Steelers. That's the third most by any team since 2013, so in the last decade. Mark Andrews, one of the most sure-handed tight ends there is. Mark Andrews had three uh, three drops. Zay Flowers had a bad day. He had two drops, and he had a bomb walk-in touchdown, but he tripped. He, 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 He tripped. Nelson Aguilar had a drop. Rashad Bateman had a drop. So, seven drops by the Baltimore Ravens, third most since 2013. Not to mention, this doesn't count as a drop, obviously, but Zay Flowers, who, by the way, I loved out of Boston College, Zay Flowers would have had a touchdown if he didn't trip on his way to trying to secure the football. So, two things can be true. For the first 56 minutes of that football game, the Ravens uh, the Ravens receivers failed Lamar Jackson. And for the last four, he failed them. He had a terrible Goal line interception, uh, my man Joey Porter Jr., who by the way was the highest ranked corner or, or the highest graded corner. I think it was like a he got a grade of like ninety three by Pro Football Focus yesterday. Hats off to my man, Defensive Rookie of the Year. It's coming. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he's he's coming for that for that for that trophy. But bad goal line interception by Lamar. Then he had the turnover. get then he got stopped. Obviously, the last start of the game. Lamar was awful the first, last four minutes of the game, and the Ravens receivers were awful the first fifty six. But Great win by Miss Steelers. T.J. Watt was, again, a man amongst boys. Alex Highsmith making another big play. We got a Steelers Nation, we got to come up with a nickname for Alex Highsmith. All the big plays he makes. He made the, the, he got the pick six against against Cleveland in week two and making plays on Deshaun Watson that game. This week making plays on, uh, on Lamar Jackson. Great win for the Steelers, three and two. And ladies and gentlemen, despite the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers don't have an offensive coordinator, might as well not, <laughs> the Steelers are first place in the AFC North. Thus far, right now, we have a tie break, the, the tie break for now, on the Baltimore Ravens. NFL's a funny business, man. but when you have an elite coach, which Tomlin is, when you have an awesome defense, which the Pittsburgh Steelers does, led by the best defensive player in football, and TJ Watt, and your offense, despite, despite the cluelessness at the OC position, you got playmakers, and you're good situationally, you're good. You're gonna make the playoffs. I still maintain Pittsburgh. We'll get there. If we win the division, I'll be overjoyed. Overjoyed. I would still like us to move on from Matt Canada in the bye week. Please. It's all I'm asking, Coach. Coach Tomlin, please. I need it to happen. It's 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 killing me. It's killing Steelers fans everywhere. I mean again, it took multiple, multiple Ravens drops just to keep us in that in that game. But as they say, a win is a win. Good win for the Steelers. They're all good, but this one especially. Uh, By the way, I predicted, then I'll get to my Packers-Raiders prediction. I wasn't able to get to it on Friday's show, but I did put it on social media. The WNBA Finals, which features the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. I said coming in the WNBA season, I thought the Aces are the best team. I think most people believe that. Uh, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum. I mean, just the whole crew. I love the addition of Candace Parker. Obviously, she's she's still injured. Probably isn't going to suit up in this series, which is unfortunate. But she has a chance to get her third ring, at, you know, nonetheless. But, uh, listen, I, I love, and I've been a Sabrina UNESCO fan since her days at Oregon. I think she's a special, special talent. And I think this series, WNBA Finals, for those of you who don't know, goes five games, or so does the the semifinals as well, but it's the best of five series. Uh, I think it's going to go the distance. I think it is going to go five games and, uh, and the, the ACEs pulled out. I think Asia Wilson wins WNBA finals MVP because she was robbed with respect to Brianna Stewart. Who's amazing. Asia Wilson was robbed of the WNBA MVP, but nonetheless, she's going to, she, she's going to avenge that and go right at Brianna Stewart. You saw a lot of that yesterday. Uh, the ACEs had, I think it was at two or three 20 point scores uh, in game one. And then the, uh, including Asia in Asia Wilson at like nineteen, so great win by the Aces. Still think they're going to win in five games and uh, go back to back, win two straight championships. But you saw Tom Brady in the building yesterday. Saw LeBron James in the building yesterday. It's gonna be a great series. I'm telling y'all. Game two's on Wednesday. I've got the Liberty winning game two and evening it up before the series goes to the Barclays Center in New York. All right, let's just let's not waste any time now. So I had a. A really good week week five uh predicting games if I could pull this up here so I, I start got off to a rough start, picked the commanders against the the Bears Bears came in ran rough shot on on uh a washing I'm sorry uh, I'm sorry the Bears came in ran rough shot on the commanders but if I can do some some quick math here let's see that's three and two three and three four and three five and three okay so I'm nine and four on my picks I'm feeling good about myself. Okay. Nine and four of my picks, despite the, the Thursday loss earlier in the week. So, gonna try and get to 10 and four as we get the background music going right now for this big Monday night matchup between the Green Bay Packers uh, tonight on Monday Night Football. Is the background music working? Is it back? I guess it's on. I'm gonna assume it's on. But, okay. So, uh, blowout loss. And I do mean a blowout loss. Against the Detroit Lions, I know it's it's Detroit. That's what they that's what they do. Uh, they beat you up, they bite your kneecaps, and it was too much for Green Bay. It was too much for Jordan Love, who, quite frankly, and I said this when Green Bay lost, Jordan Love has looked worse and worse and worse every single week starting week one the great game against Chicago then pretty good but shaky in the fourth quarter against Atlanta then he was bad through three quarters and great in the fourth quarter against the Saints and outside of a few throws in the third quarter against Detroit he was bad throughout so listen he's got a game against a Raiders defense that has been truly awful surprise surprise For the first part of this year uh the Raiders gave up uh uh, 38 to Buffalo. They gave up freaking 23 to the Steelers, uh, and they gave up 24 against the Chargers, including some really inopportune plays there. So Vegas, now here's, I think, going to be the key of the game. For the record, Vegas is a two-point favorite in this game. D- David Bakhtiari for the for the Green Bay Packers is done. He's he's, he's out for the year uh, with, I think, a leg injury. I think he's going to have, like, two surgeries or something. Uh, so, obviously, prayers to him. Hopefully, he, he recovers relatively soon. And so that's you know, for Max Crosby, he's gonna be he's gonna be kind of licking his chops and okay, here we go. We got I got an opportunity to really make plays uh, in this football game on on Jordan Love. Uh, but the good news for Green Bay, Aaron Jones looks to be healthy, looks to be ready to go. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, who's actually had a a, a good start uh, to this season. Uh, they've got the good tight end they they've got over there. A.J. Dillon's running the football pretty effectively. As for Vegas, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back from the injury he missed last week. The backup, Aiden O'Connell, stepped in that game, actually played relatively well, uh, took Justin Herbert and the Chargers down the wire, but made too many mistakes when it was all said and done, especially the last play of the game, that goal line interception. So uh, this is actually tougher than you think. I think Vegas minus two is actually a pretty good line that Vegas set here. Uh, Vegas, of course, being, being all these, these, these sports books out here. So I pondered on it. I thought about it and basically what I came what it came down to is I don't really trust either coach so what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll with the coach who got more rest? Whose team got more rest? I'm gonna roll with the coach uh, to put together a better game plan. I'm gonna roll with the Green Bay Packers to win this game. Uh, take the Packers and the points, and to win outright by a final score of 27 to 20 over the Las Vegas Raiders. Green Bay wins this one. They get to three and two. Uh, keep pace in that NF uh, yeah NFC Wild Card uh, race. Uh, listen, Vegas continues to to fail miserably, and Cheesehead Ozzie is is here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Green Bay is going to win it. Jordan Love's actually going to play well. I think this will be Jordan Love's best game of the season. You're like, Bryce, he had a, a pass rating well over 100 against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Bears are the worst defense in the NFL, okay? Raiders don't have a good defense. But he's going to be facing pressure from Max Crosby all night. I think Matt LaFleur, in rare Matt LaFleur fashion, will adjust. But this will be a game where Jordan Love makes some big-time third-down throws. Aaron Jones plays well. A.J. Dillon does his thing. The Packers defense against Jimmy G comes up with a couple of turnovers. Uh, Devontae Adams, I forgot to mention, this is Devontae Adams' first game against his old team. He'll look to make a statement. There's no question about it. He'll look to make plays uh, when it's all said and done. And he will against Jair Alexander, his old teammate, but it's it's a it's a matchup of which quarterback to which quarterback do i dislike less? Which coach do i dislike less? I'll I'll put the final score up again. Do we have it here? Put the final score up again. 27-20 Green Bay Packers win it over the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh again, I don't feel terribly confident about this, but uh, that's what I'm going to roll with. This this might as well have been Bryson's bleak bet, okay? Might as well have been Bryson's bleak bet, okay? Uh look so at my sister's in the comments. She's a Packers fan. She says, uh, love slays. Well, I mean, slays his offensive chances, of, his offensive chances of winning. Yes, he does slay that. Tonight, I don't think it'll be an issue, okay? Won't be an issue tonight. So She says, "Ozzy in the building. Once again, this time in a positive sense for the Green Bay Packers. This time, she said, "Ozzy, Crap, I'm speaking in the third person. I'm losing my mind. She said, "Ozzy thinks, yes, Green Bay will win. And he'll, I don't know, maybe he'll make an appearance on Wednesday. Maybe he won't, depending on the outcome of the game. Packers lose. She's at Oz, coming to town. Uh, we'll see what happens there uh, when it's all said and done. Sharon! I had to get that in. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on Twitter as well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel, of course. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your beautiful day. Hit that big red subscribe button right there. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Again, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. I think we're up over 450 subscribers right now, so we're on pace. We're doing great. The channel's growing. The show's growing, which is great. But also, what we want to be growing is the Grid Network that is GRYD the Grid podcast network right here on YouTube as well as any and everywhere you listen to your podcast be it on Apple Podcasts Spotify iHeartRadio Google Podcasts any and everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast definitely got to check it out we got some great content creators in there a lot of cowboys fans too a lot of a lot of upset cowboys fans man you should have seen our grid group chat yesterday it was a uh, i had to play the role of therapist it was rough Hopefully, Dallas will beat the Chargers next week and what will be a glorified home game at SoFi Stadium. But we'll just have to see what happens. But I got Green Bay 27 20 over the Las Vegas Raiders. I feel good about that pick. So, uh, like I said, great weekend of week five games. I went nine and four on my picks. Hope to go 10 and four with the Packers winning tonight. I feel good. Uh, as James Brown said, right? I feel good. With that said, I'll see y'all on Wednesday night. Please stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Got got to fix this problem. No question about it. All right, great weekend of college football. Great weekend of NFL football. Major League Baseball playoffs going on right now. Still in roll with the Braves to win the NL. Still in with the Astros to win the AL, and the Braves to win it all in 2023. I'm still in roll with that, and I still feel good about that. See you all on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out, Sharon. Sharon. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grin Network.